James 1.25 says, The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. How are you doing with that? Are you looking intently into God's word? I'm not talking about casually glancing at scripture. I'm not referring to doing a brief devotional every morning at breakfast. We are to stoop forward. We are to lean into God's word in order to look at it closely. Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. This is episode number 47, and today we continue our mini-series on how to live for Christ by discovering together that it's time to lean in. So picture yourself looking in a mirror. Imagine that you notice something on the end of your nose. What are you going to do? I'm willing to bet at the very least you're going to lean forward. You're going to get as close as you can to the mirror so that you can see it better. The fact is, The closer you get, the better you can identify what is going on and be able to deal with the problem. Well, James chapter 1 verse 25 tells us that when you're looking intently into Scripture, you're leaning in, if you will, so that you can look closely at what God is revealing to you. You're investing the time to actually dig into God's Word. You're comparing Scripture with Scripture. You're reading commentaries. You're talking with godly Christians and your pastor, you're praying for wisdom, all for the purpose of discovering what God wants you to do about what you just read. In other words, you're dealing with the problem. Well, have you ever stood in front of the mirror with the lights out? And if you did, what did you see? I know, I know. It's a silly question. You don't stand in a darkened room and look into a mirror and expect to see anything. You have to turn a light on. You see, without the light, You cannot observe, you cannot see the problem. You can't properly deal with it. Well, not only is God's word a mirror, but it's also a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path, Psalm 119, verse 105. I want you to think about that. God's commands are a lamp. His teaching is light, Proverbs 6, 23. Every time you open the Bible, every time you read the scriptures, every time you are exposed to God's truth, and then you choose to walk in obedience to it, you're coming into the light. You're approaching the mirror with the light on so that you can see what's going on and deal with it. Jesus himself said that those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. John 3, 21. The light of God's word will expose the issues you need to deal with. Paul reminds us that when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light, Ephesians 5, 13 and 14. Let's say for illustration's sake that you bump your chin on something and it begins to bleed. It hurts. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to go to the nearest mirror and you're going to step in front of it. Why? Because you want to see what's going on. You want to see what's causing the pain. You want to learn how to deal with it. So leaning forward, you notice there's an open wound on the end of your chin. So what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to assume that you're going to open the medicine cabinet, grab some ointment and a bandage. You're going to wash off your chin, gently dry it off, apply the ointment and put on the bandage, right? And then over the next couple of days, at least, you're going to periodically look in the mirror. You're going to, you, you want to see how it's going, what, what's, what's happening with the wound, 
So you take the bandage off and you look at it. Oh, you got to clean it up again. You need to put on more ointment and a fresh bandage. And you continue to do that until the wound is healed. Well, addressing your spiritual blemish or your spiritual wounds requires a whole lot more than just confessing it to God. It involves going to the Word of God and finding within the pages of Scripture the truth that applies to that issue in your life. And then you study it. You memorize it. You meditate on those truths. And then you choose to live them out in your everyday life and in such a way that you're never going to accommodate that sin issue ever again. Now, by the way, if you'd like to learn more on this topic and discover uh, how to overcome temptation in your life, how to deal with those sin issues, may I encourage you to go to our online academy and enroll in the class entitled How to Overcome Any Temptation in Your Life. Again, that class is called How to Overcome Any Temptation. You can find it uh, online at our Bible course website, and that's at www. Dot Christian Growth Academy. That's all one word, ChristianGrowthAcademy.com. Oh, my friend, listen, God has so much he wants to show you in his word. Within the pages of scripture, you will find God's truth about who you are, who he is, and how you are to live a life of integrity and purity and godliness that will bring honor and glory to him. At times, that means his word is going to show you things that need to be dealt with. Maybe it's a nagging sin that needs to be removed. Maybe it's a, an attitude that needs to be changed or a thought process that needs some adjusting. There'll be times when he just wants to show you his amazing grace, his mercy, and his love. Well, no matter what he wants to reveal to you, listen to this, watch this now, a cursory glance at the Bible will never uncover the depths of his truth. It's only when you invest the time to look intently into the mirror of his word that you'll begin to see your true reflection. Let me illustrate it to you this way. Think about a, a big yellow sponge, you know, the kind you use to wash your car. Now, in one hand, you hold the sponge. In the other is a bucket of water. The sponge is dry. The water is wet. So you set the sponge on top of the water. What happens to the sponge? Well, it begins to soak up the water around it. And as the sponge gets full, it sinks to the bottom of the bucket. It can't soak up any more water. In order for that particular sponge to absorb any more water, what must be done? You have to squeeze it. You have to wring it. You have to wring it hard to force out the water that's inside of it. And then, when you place the sponge back onto the bucket of water, what happens? It's able to soak in more water. That, my friend, is what God expects from you. You're that sponge. The, the, the Bible, the scriptures, that, that's the bucket of water. My friend, read God's word. Soak in all of the truth that you possibly can. But understand this. God does not want you to sit and soak and stay there. Never are we to sit, soak, and sour. God will allow situations to enter into your life that begin to wring out the truth from you. Every test every trial, every situation that you find yourself in. God is allowing those. He's bringing those into your life so that you can live out the truth that you've been absorbing from his word. Each and every day of your life, there are new things. Each and every day of your life, you will discover ways in which the things you're learning from God's word can be lived out that day. What are you going to do with them? As you're reading the word of God, what are you going to do with it? 
The prophet Jeremiah wrote, Your words were found, and I ate them. Your words became to me the joy and delight of my heart. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. David exclaimed in Psalm 119, 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Now, here's a question for you. How, how fulfilling would it be for you to sit down at a banquet with all manner of mouth-watering, delectable choices of food placed directly in front of you, only to have to sit there and stare at it? How satisfying would it be for you to look at the food, to talk about the food, to smell the food, but not once be able to consume the food? That would be pretty hard, right? It'd be, that's kind of silly, right? Well, unfortunately, I want to submit to you that many Christians today are spiritually starving, even though God has provided them with an amazing, sumptuous banquet of truth from his word. In Psalm 119, verse 97, David declares, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. King David was a man who truly loved the Word of God. He saw Scripture as a meal to be consumed, (laughs) food fit for a king. In fact, he said that the one who experiences genuine happiness is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates, he feeds upon it day and night, Psalm 1, verse 2. So how are you doing with that? Do you love reading your Bible? Do you delight in studying God's Word? Do you meditate on it every day? You see, to experience the kind of happiness that David was talking about, to be truly blessed of God, we need to delight in God's Word. Think about it this way. A person who is delighting in God's Word is the person who is finding great pleasure in it to the point that they long for it constantly. I got to have it. I can't, I can't wait till the next time I can open my Bible and just dive into the Word of God. Listen as I read Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, New Living Translation. Now, think about this. According to verse 2, Psalm 1, verse 2, the word that David uses to describe how the one feels who is in God's word day and night is the word delight. And according to verse 1, when you delight in God's word, you won't follow the advice of the wicked. When you delight in God's word, you will not stand around with sinners. When you delight in God's word, you will not join in with mockers. You're going to instead lead a life totally different from that. According to verse 3, you'll be like a tree alongside a flowing river. You'll bear fruit and you'll have leaves that will never wither. You will be greatly prosperous. I want you to notice the fact that in this text, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, David does not say that the one who appreciates God's word will be like a tree. He doesn't say the one who respects God's word will be like a tree. 
planted by rivers of water, yielding fruit and prospering. He doesn't say that anyone who brings their Bible to church and does their daily devotions is the one who will be blessed. No, it's the one who delights in God's Word and the one who then meditates on it daily. Are you that person? Are you delighting in His Word? Are you meditating on it daily? You see, God's Word reveals God's heart. And it is God's heart that will capture you. In Psalm 112, verse 1, we read, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. I want to submit that you and I should long for the time every day when we can sit down with our Bible and open up the pages and peruse over the scriptures and pour over his truth and, and, and study and read his standards and his principles and his promises and listen to our Heavenly Father speak his heart to us. Every day, you and I should be anxiously looking forward to the moment when we can, when we can sit down and open the scriptures and just cling to our Father's every word. In fact, I want you to take a moment here, and I want you to think about that point. Why do so many Christians struggle with this? Why do we tend to feel the opposite of sheer delight when it comes to reading the Bible? Why why do we tend to see it as a chore or a task that has to be done? In Psalm 119, verses 35, 47, and 92, David prays, Direct me in the path of your commands, for that's where I find delight. I delight in your commands because I love them. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. How we see our Bible makes all the difference in the world. If you see God's word as irrelevant, or if you see it as boring, if you see it as cumbersome, it's a chore to be done by good Christians, then I submit you will be hesitant to spend time in it. You'll choose to put off reading it for as long as you can in favor of other things that you perceive to be more enjoyable and relaxing. And then, when you do pick up your Bible to read it, you're doing it more out of a sense of duty than to develop a deeper relationship with your Heavenly Father. However, when we see Scripture for what it really is, when we understand that within the pages of Scripture, God is speaking to us, that he's telling us how much he loves us, that he's giving us a glimpse into who he is and all that he wants to give for us and do for us. When you understand that God is sitting down with you as you open your Bible and he's sharing his heart with you, well, that's when you become anxious to invest your time drawing closer to the one who loves you so much. I want you to consider this. The Bible is God's word to you. It's not to be read and understood. It's to be eaten and digested. A lot of fast food restaurants will offer what's often called a value meal. It's simply a grouping of items on a menu that are offered together at a lower price than they would cost you if you purchased each item individually. All too often, I submit, that's how we approach the Word of God. We see church as a fast food restaurant where we can dash in and and get a little bit of worship songs and a large helping of Bible teaching and a side of fellowship, all for the price of an hour on a Sunday with a couple of dollars put on the offering plate. (laughs) Reading God's Word should never, never be treated as a value meal. It is, however, a meal full of great value. In 1 Peter 2, verse 2, 
It says, like newborn babies, long, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to your salvation. I want you to pause for a moment. I want you to consider what I just quoted to you. What milk is to a baby, the word of God should be to your soul. It's the food that nourishes you spiritually. But in order for that to happen, you got to eat. Listen carefully here. I'm not talking about an occasional snack on God's word. I'm not talking about a, a one day on Sunday kind of thing. Think about it this way. A baby has a passion for milk that will not rest until its hunger is satisfied, right? I mean, when a baby wants to eat, nothing else matters. The world as we know it comes to a screeching halt until baby is fed. (laughs) Baby doesn't care whether or not you have to set aside your priorities. Baby doesn't care if mama's exhausted. The time of day or night means absolutely nothing to the child when it's hungry. The fact is, when it's time to eat, it's time to eat. Is that how you see God's word? Do you hunger for it the way a baby hungers for its milk? Do you come to the point each and every day when you long, you want, you desire, you crave feeding upon the scriptures and nothing else matters? Now, there are times when a mama is going to try to pacify her baby with what I'll call fake food. Oh, you've seen it. Uh, Baby's crying. Mama's not ready to feed him yet. So she sticks a pacifier in his mouth, right? Voila, baby is quiet for the moment. However, At some point, baby begins to wise up to the fact that what he's sucking on isn't producing the desired effect. So that's when he spits out the fake and screams out, I want the real thing, and I want it now. Well, focus on 1 Peter 2, verse 2 again, the verse I just quoted to you. Just like a newborn baby craves his mother's milk, so you must crave the pure milk of the Word of God. Now, we need to stop for a moment and let that sink in. Are you craving, are you craving the pure milk of Scripture? Or are you content with a spiritual pacifier? Too many of us born-again believers, too many Christians today are spiritually undernourished. Why? Well, because we're sucking on makeshift pacifiers instead of feeding on the real thing. We're content to sit in church on Sunday and listen to the preacher feed us from the Bible. We're content with his regurgitating the spiritual food that he's been chewing on and that he's eaten instead of digging into the scriptures for ourselves. We, we think it's okay to read biblical principles out of a devotional book without ever opening the Bible to discover God's truth from our, for ourselves. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I don't, don't want to get a bunch of nasty texts and emails because you didn't hear what I'm saying. Going to church learning from the teaching of our pastor and from others, reading great devotional books. Those are good things to do, and we need to do them. However, if you are dependent upon those things to feed you spiritually, then I submit you're sucking on a pacifier. You're allowing someone else to chew up the food for you. They're spitting it out, and you're gobbling it up. That's not enough. That alone will not give you the spiritual nourishment that you need to grow. You know, one thing I've learned in raising four children of our own, and then in watching my kids raise our grandchildren, I've learned that babies don't drink all the milk they can in one hour on Sunday and then go the rest of the week without feeding. They have a schedule. 
they eat every few hours. Now, why does that happen? Well, because they're growing. You say, right, exactly. They can hold on to just so much food at any given time. As their body consumes and digests, it also burns up energy. Eventually, they need more nutrients to keep on going. Well, let me ask you to consider this carefully. What's your spiritual feeding schedule? We need to consume God's Word daily. Do you really think that you can stuff yourself on Sunday's regurgitated meal and live your Christian life off of that one feeding for the rest of the week? Of course not. And yet, that's exactly what many of us try to do spiritually. Christians who are not daily consuming God's Word are trying to satisfy their hunger with pacifiers. And as a result, there are all too many that are severely malnourished. It's not enough to sit under a Bible teacher for an hour a week, no matter how great that preacher may be. The meal that he is serving up behind the pulpit should be the appetizer. The main course should be consumed all week long. Oh, my friend, we need to be in the Word of God every day for ourselves. Job 23, verse 12, Job said, I have not departed from the commands of God's lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Can you say the same thing? Well, before I wrap up today's episode, I have a request of you. Now, if you're a subscriber to this podcast, if you regularly listen, then you know that I very rarely mention what I'm about to. So please understand that the fact that I am talking about this indicates this is of vital importance. I'm convinced that our time here on earth is quickly running out. I'm certain of it. All too soon, God's trumpet is going to sound, and our Heavenly Father is going to call His children home. And I'm looking forward to that. And as His child, I feel the irresistible urge, the undeniable draw to make these last days, however many we have, ones that are completely and unreservedly focused on glorifying God in every aspect of my life. And I am firmly persuaded that God has given me a very specific focus, a for-the-rest-of-my-life assignment, if you will. In Acts chapter 20, verses 22 and 24, the Apostle Paul says, I am bound by the Spirit. I don't know what awaits me, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Well, for me, Steve Etner, I am bound by the Spirit to the task of pointing men and women toward the power of Christ and the impact that God's Word can have in their everyday lives. I am compelled to show men and women from Scripture how they can live in victory and freedom, specifically and especially from the lure of lust and the pull of porn and the magnet of masturbation. You see, I was under that particular bondage for over 30 years of my life, and God set me free. And now for the last 10 years, I've had the distinct privilege and honor of daily meeting with people literally all over the globe, teaching counseling, coaching them in how to be men and women of purity, of integrity, and of godliness. I'm doing this primarily through our ministry that's known as the Pure Man Ministry. It's also known as the Purity Coach. Well, I don't know how many more years God is going to give me, but I am committed. 
I am committed. Hear me out. I am committed to dedicating every one of those years, every one of the days that make up those years to this ministry. And to that end, please listen closely because I'm asking for your help. I need you. I need your help. Tuesday, November 30th, so that's a little over a month away, but Tuesday, November 30th, 2021, is a day known across the globe as Giving Tuesday. Its purpose is to encourage individuals and churches to support a specific cause or ministry that they believe in before the year comes to a close. If you share my desire to see men and women walk in integrity and live in purity, then I am personally right here, right now, inviting you to join our team of ministry partners. We have set the goal of raising $42,000, hopefully on Giving Tuesday, if not sooner, to cover the cost of our ministry for 2022. Again, that's $42,000 for 2022. Now, this is going to take a group effort to get there. But the impact that your donation will have to this ministry is incredible. Through your financial gifts, the Pure Man Ministry is able to pour into the hearts of both men and women, investing into their lives and their marriages and their homes, and yes, even their churches, training them from God's Word how they can live free from addiction to porn and lust and masturbation, all to the glory of God. Without compromise, the Pure Man Ministry shows men and women how to have a continuous relationship with Jesus, one that is real and personal. So again, to that end, I'm personally asking you for your financial assistance. I'm asking you to partner with us in providing hope and helping men and women win their personal battles. Would you please help us raise the goal of $42,000 for 2022? And by the way, your gifts to this ministry, any gift, any size, not only is deeply appreciated, but they are tax deductible. Now, you certainly don't have to wait until November 30th to give. You can visit our website at thepuritycoach.com. Again, that's thepuritycoach, all one word, thepuritycoach.com. And in the upper right corner, you can see the donate button, and you can give your tax deductible donation today. Please, please. Help us reach our goal so that we can reach the world with the message of hope, healing, and restoration. And if you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, let me encourage you to do so today so that you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Well, until next time, this is author, speaker, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, He must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. Thank you.